The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF Podcast is brought to you by True Car. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car that you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. Big week four action to review. Sam, how you doing on this Monday morning? A little bit better today, Steve. Traffic was good on the way in. I'm, I'm relatively jovial for Monday morning. Great. You? We need like a meter. We need like your Monday morning meter. Yeah, me like the Flacco is elite meter. Yeah, that's great. So you're close to elite this morning. Let's get right in. I'm, I'm great, too. Thanks for I did. I said, and you, but you were still, you were talking. You'd gone. I appreciate you checking in on me. Mm-hmm. I'm great. Uh, so let's get right into the action. Thursday night, pretty big story and a fun NFL game if you're into 38-31 games. We can, is pass game going to be what grinds our gears later? No. Maybe? No. Okay, maybe not. 38-31, to 31, the Rams beat the Minnesota Vikings. Jared Goff had one of the highest grades we've ever given a quarterback. Uh, Kirk Cousins played well in his own right. Just a good old-fashioned, good new-fashioned, really. A new NFL shootout where it's just all about offense and pass game. How good are these Rams? Yeah, they're really good. Um, I, The bigger kind of concern about that game, or the bigger thing to come out of that game for me, is how bad is this Vikings defense? Because they've now been taken a task by a couple of teams. Like, the Rams is understandable, right? They're they're taking everybody to task. They're putting up points. They're racking. You know, Jared Goff is playing fantastically. The rest of the team is great. The offensive line is our number one ranked unit in the league at the moment. Sean McVay is scheming up wide open throws like he always does. So that entire offense is firing on all cylinders. But the Vikings have now really struggled in a few different games. They were 
They did pretty well against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers, but they still had some coverage busts throughout that game. You kind of put that down to Kyle Shanahan being able to scheme throws up the same way Sean McVay did. The Buffalo Bills kicked their ass. That's a little more difficult to explain. That part's more concerning than be- being beaten by a McVay or a Shanahan yeah. offense. Um, then they get completely destroyed by the Rams. And Mike Zimmer's defenses have actually typically done pretty well against those Shanahan and McVay systems in the past. Really didn't this time. Um, and the thing is, whilst be- they've had times before where they've just lost, they've just made bad mistakes or... You know, players have been bad during games, which has caused them to lose. They're getting completely killed from a schematic point of view at the moment. They're like, it seemed like it, it seemed as if Sean McVay had a complete understanding of the matchup rules within that defense, and he was able to just create Anthony Barr one on one against a skill position player who he had no business covering. So it started off; it was Todd Gurley. Then it was Cooper Cup multiple times. He had uh, Robert Woods, I think. Anthony yep. Barr was tracking down down the seam. Like, if you can at will manufacture the worst coverage linebacker on the opposition against a wide receiver, you will win the game. Poor Anthony Barr. He was targeted four times. All pa- all four passes caught. 119 yards and three touchdowns. All those plays that you mentioned. My favorite one was the Cooper Cup. It's like fake block at the line of scrimmage, and not just. Usually you take that to the flat. He took it as a drag and up the little the tight end yoink play that you like, mm. but it was from the slot. And um, it was interesting because it wasn't like Barr was torched. I mean, he gave up a step of separation on all these things. He was overmatched in all of them. But then it also took Goff making really good throws because, again, that was like week one, right? They were torched on a number of different routes, but the, the pass was missed and maybe, you know, they got away with a couple. I've always thought that this Vikings defense was really sensitive to – personnel issues i don't know if they ever had the great depth they felt like remember the niners a few years ago they were just really good one to 11 and they didn't really have any depth when they were really good under harbaugh that's what this vikings d felt like to me so are they are they missing everson griffin are they missing i mean they, they kind of got away with trey waynes last year and they just don't really have this great depth on this defense if one or two guys stop playing well or whatever it might be or if you lose somebody yeah i mean their cornerback depth has been an issue all along but they they're just i think they're being exposed as much schematically at the moment as they are from a personnel point of view which is the concerning thing because if the defense isn't winning the battle when it comes to scheme they're actually not that talented like they've got some very good players but they've got a bunch of players that really aren't very good at all um at which point like that's supposed to be the strength of the team now they're being carried by the offense and the offense is blowing hot and cold depending on the game yeah, uh, credit to Cousins. He hung in there until the end. He had a couple of rough throws at the end. Uh, Aaron Donald did his usual great work. 13 pressures. That's two sacks, two QB hits, and nine hurries. Uh, season high, 93.1 grade from him, doing his usual dominant work up front this year, Aaron Donald. The offensive line is going to be a problem all season long for the Vikings. That, again, was another thing that we saw coming into the season. That's definitely an issue. All right, let's get to some of the Sunday action. Uh, I want to start with the Colts and the Texans, a game that turned out to be one of the better ones. So impressed with what um, – thanks, thanks YouTube. YouTube friends just saw Matt fix the uh, the PFF helmet. Sometimes sometimes you need that. Oh, that didn't really happen. It no. didn't really happen. Mm. We can fix that. Very professional is, here. Yeah, smooth. That's what we do here. Perfect. Professionally unprofessional. Um, it was one of the best games of the week – 
What do you make of the Colts' decision? I mean, Andrew Luck drives them back. They're down eight, gets the two-point conversion. Andrew Luck's got some of that late-game magic in him. He showed it, <laughs> but not enough on fourth and four. <laughs> so Eric uh, Eager from the PFF Forecast, which you should all go and subscribe to, he was in the office on Sunday along with myself and Neil. We've got to be in here because we do the Sky uh, NFL TV hits in the U.K. Um, Eric just comes in for giggles. Um, but he was he referred to Andrew Luck as getting credit for putting out a burning building that he set fire to in the first place. Oh, yeah. Um, which really is. And he actually, this was, they were down like 17 or something at one point. This was when he said this. Like, he's probably going to bring them all the way back in this game. He's done it his whole career. And get credit for that. But, like, he's part of the reason they're in the hole in the first place. And that was exactly what happened. Um, the, the going for it decision late in overtime Honestly, I don't really have a problem with it. Frank Reich's come out and said, we don't play for ties here. We were playing for the win. And even though it was a low percentage proposition, I, I, it's probably better than just punting it away and playing for a tie. Ties suck. Nobody likes ties. Let's actually try and win the game. But ties are better than losses. Yeah, so, you know, not only do you need to make it, like, go for it better. Don't, like, execute better. The problem wasn't that you went for it in the first place is you went for it in a really terrible way and then once you failed to convert you let them have like a walk-in slant that got them 20 yards and set them right up for field position i guess uh our guys haven't run the numbers on it yet i can't wait to see what they um yeah, i reserve the right to reverse they, that take entirely if it turns out the statistics say it was a terrible move i think they're going to yeah but i don't trust your interpretation of the statistics yeah i'm pretty sure it was a bad move uh Deshaun watson was awesome yesterday he was a big part of that um i mean look they, they put up a lot of points he made some big throws down the stretch when needed he really is a different player he's a very different player statistically when will fuller is on the field and uh that's you know kind of you know, stay true again this week. Watson has quietly played. He's played better this year than he did last year, and the stats are starting to not catch up, but, you know, look a little bit better. Also, New Hopkins was pretty freaky. Yeah, he's awesome. He made some insane plays and then was inches away from another absolutely absurd play where he did incredibly well to even catch the ball up only to somehow conspire not to end up with it once yeah. he hit the ground. What would you make of that throw? Because I'm looking at it. I thought that was overthrown. I didn't want to give Watson credit for it. I thought he overthrew him, and I thought the fact that Nuke even got there was impressive. And then when he got there, it looked like, okay, how'd you not catch it while you were there? I mean, that was I'd, one where I almost credit the receiver just for making it look I'd have catchable. To, yeah, I'd have to see it again, but it was really impressive for Nuke to get to that. Um, he, do, he did the hardest part of that and then ended up losing it all the way down. Remind me to ask Zach about that. Like he was, he was pissed going. off with himself for not coming up with it once he got it. it did, he got to a point where it landed in his hands and he had it and then lost it on the ground. Now, if the Texans had lost this game, I, brought, I, I texted you yesterday. I said, what if the Texans lose and the Rams trade for J.J. Watt? Yeah. Crazy? Yes. Yes, very much crazy. I mean, that's a Rams thing to do right now. If the Texans were sitting there at 0-4, would you do it? Try to rebuild? Knowing that Watt, you know, he's still he's not what he used to be. He's I still mean, great. The crazy thing is they've been trying to kind of make moves like that. Like, they went after Khalil Mack, however serious that was. I don't know where they would get the money for that because J.J. Watt has a $100 million contract. I have no idea what his cap hit is this season without checking it out, but the Rams do not have that kind of cap space. Like, they, they would figure it out. It's the Rams. Yeah. It's the Rams in the NFL. And that would be going all in in a major way. That would be a, like one year and then blow the whole ship oh, up yeah. because <laughs> we're in cap hell. But it would be fun. 
other big stories on Sunday, uh, Patriots, Dolphins. It was supposed to be this three and O Dolphins, yeah. you know, making their move in the AFC East. It did uh, did not pan out. Thirty eight to seven. I mean, that Patriots must be about game. as demoralizing as you could possibly get in a defeat for the Dolphins. You're three and O. You may think you're actually kind of good. You're going up against the Patriots, who are not good at the moment. Like even in this game, I don't think they played well, and they just beat the crap out of the Dolphins. You're like, how do you come out of that game and not think this season is pointless? Like we. This was about as good a situation as we could possibly look at. We're 3-0. and We have a chance to go, what, three games up against the Patriots? Really put them in a hole. And instead, they just roll in and beat the crap out of us again. Like, you, at that point, you might have just like, right, it's just, this season's done. Let's start again next year. Uh, everybody was one week late on New England's on to Cincinnati game. They, they had it yesterday. Their, uh, New England defense really suffocated the Dolphins' offense. And then... You said you took some heat for mentioning Xavier Howard as a bit of a roller coaster? Yeah, because his numbers had been good all season. So you can't be inconsistent if you have good numbers. So coverage numbers lie if you're grading people the way we do because yes. it's not simply based off the numbers. The numbers tell – when we give you numbers, it's because they tell the proper story. Um, his numbers are actually fascinating. They'll be finalized on PFF Premium by the time you guys hear this, but um, – if you look at the previous week when he had the two picks and he had a one pick in week two versus multiple touchdowns yesterday, this was the classic Dalton coaster for Xavier Howard. Just go look at his passer rating against once you guys get your uh, yeah, so he elite had, numbers up. Last week he was really good and had a fantastic passer rating against, etc. Looked He was very good. That was the top of the roller coaster. The week before that, his numbers were basically the same, but he wasn't as good. So he had the interception. He still only allowed... Uh, 33% of passes thrown his way to be caught, passer rating in the 30s, but he there was a, a missed overthrow on a deep ball where he was killed. Um, there was another uh, pass in there where he was beat. There was a bunch of plays in there that were hidden that he got negative grades for that don't show up in the passing stats. Right. So he's been, in sequence this year, he's been average, pretty bad, great, really bad. Over four weeks, which yeah. is basically exactly what we've said about Xavier Howard all the way along. He's insanely inconsistent. But apparently, if you just look at the numbers, or if you're one of these people that computes throw or plays that didn't actually happen as they didn't, they didn't exist, right? I know my corner got absolutely hosed on a double move, but the quarterback missed it, so it didn't count, so, so it didn't happen. One. It's, so our, it it's happened. our fault. I mean, we put, the pat, we put the numbers out there. It's our job to give more context but also, and that the, our grade... From a coverage standpoint, our grade is the most important thing when it comes to coverage, not necessarily the stats. There are legitimately people that think like that. They're like, well, it didn't happen. He didn't actually hit the pass. He didn't complete it against well, him. Therefore, it was fine. It's because, I told you, it's the, it's, the re- it's the emotional response when you watch the game. If you're a Dolphins fan and you watch Xavier Howard get beat and Brady misses the throw, mm-hmm. you're like, all right, we got away with that one. And then it's like, all right, now it's second and ten. If he gets torched and uh, Cordero Patterson runs 55 yards for a touchdown... Then you get angry at Xavier Howard, and it's all his fault. It's just but the same thing yeah. elicits a completely different emotional response based off the result. It does, but even people that like intellectualize it later on are like, "Well, it didn't actually happen, so who cares?" Yeah, right. I, th- the point we would always make is that okay, but those are bad things that over the length of time you don't get lucky on. Like if you're a player that gets routinely hosed you're not going to get bailed out by the quarterback missing the throw every single time. So when we grade that guy. We are going to count that as a negative play because it happened, and ultimately it's going to prove to be a problem down the line. And our grades are far more consistent than our 
than the stats anyway, other than a, a couple of really good yeah. stats. So, so when we're telling you a guy grades badly, even if it is a bunch of plays that didn't actually count and therefore impact the team then, it's going to impact it down the right. line. It's it important. It brings in proper context. All right, a couple other games around the league. This is what I love about the NFL. We're one week removed from Mitch Trubisky looks like the worst quarterback in the NFL. He had the lowest grade among all quarterbacks in the NFL. And then they dropped 48 on the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I know the Bucks defense has had serious issues. And I think because the Bucks offense has been so good this year behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think people forgot just how bad their defense looks. This yeah. is what I talk about with the NFL all the time. If you say the Titans, you're like, oh, the Titans aren't good because they play these ugly games that are low scoring. The Bucks, oh, the Bucks are good because they put 40 points up, but they're giving up 38 all the time. Their defense came back to bite them yesterday, and Trubisky, by far, best game of his career. Yeah, and he, he could throw left. Yeah, it was amazing. He was able to pass to his left. He was, what, six of nine passing to his left for two touchdowns and 142 yards. Just left of the numbers. Five of six for 132 and two scores deep yeah, down the left side. perfect passer rating. 20 the, yards into the left. That's so amazing. The story of Mitchell Trubisky at the moment is pressure and pressure versus not pressure. Um, he was pressured just four times in this game. Now, that's ridiculous. That's a minuscule number. That's, Only 28 dropbacks, but that's still tiny. But four tiny. is nothing, right? And on those four dropbacks, he completed no passes. Uh, he had 0 for 3 with a sack for a passer rating of 39.6, which, as we know, is the same passer rating. He's just throwing the ball at the floor. Um, when know. he was not under pressure, he had a perfect passer rating. Um, and over the season, that's kind of like th- that's a crazy extreme version of what we're seeing over his entire season, which is when he's not pressured, he's got a passer rating of 107, which is the same passer rating as Aaron Rodgers when he's kept in a clean pocket, so that's pretty good. Yeah. When he is pressured, that drops to 71 which is middle of the pack, it's not good, that's the problem, right? So at the moment, everything else on the Bears roster is good. You just drop your pen there, I Steve? dropped my pen. Perfect. Um, everything else on the roster is good. The defense is fantastic. Khalil Mack is still tearing people to pieces. Um, everything else there looks good. The running game is good. Tariq Cohen is a good part of the passing game as well. The offensive line has been okay. The weapons have been good that we talked about adding. Everything, as we said, heading into the season was setting it up for how good can Trubisky be? Because everything else is in place. And right now, it's a case of how much pressure is he going to be under? Because when he's not under pressure, he looks good. When he is under pressure, the whole thing goes to hell, and the, the Bears are going to struggle. So is this just in part because Tampa Bay still has one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL? Well, that's what it was this week. So, But all of our offseason analysis of, like, look at all these playmakers surrounding Trubisky, it was like it all went into this particular game. When Tariq Cohen goes seven catches for 121, and... Gabriel catches all seven of his targets for 104, and Allen Robinson only catches two, but he gets a touchdown, and you've got Trey Burton in the mix with a score, and you, you just had all of these guys that they put around Trubisky coming, true, coming through in the creative ways as well. I mean, that was a big part of it, right? Scheming these guys open, plus Trubisky making good throws. To me, that's the story with Trubisky and, say, Goff this week. It's one thing to credit the offensive coordinator for creating stuff, and there's our, our numbers do a great job of showing that when a guy's numbers don't match up with the PFF grade or they're inflated over the grade, we say, okay, you got a ton of help. But at some point, when Goff has these great uh, these plays schemed up, you have to hit the throws. And Trubisky yesterday hit the throws, a number of big time throws. He yesterday. did. He had a really good game. The Goff thing this week, I think, was a perfect example of that. People, so 
getting a receiver, getting a wide receiver matched up one on one with Anthony Barr repeatedly is scheme. Right? Yes, that is an important part of the scheme that makes it really easy for a quarterback to execute throws because it's it should be wide open and pretty much was. Okay, he needed to hit it in vaguely the right area. But the Cooper Cup one, for example, there was quite a lot of margin for error on that throw because Barr was trailing behind. But look at some of the throws Goff made in that game. Like, there are throws there where you're saying, that's nothing to do with scheme. That is perfect. The one to Waynes for a touchdown. Waynes in pretty good coverage there. Fit it into a bucket. Um, there were Brandon a f- Cooks. Yeah. There were a few put it th- on his front shoulder. There were a few throws in there where you're like, that is value add. So what you're seeing here is the reason they're racking up 40-plus points every week is that both those things are having a major impact. Right. The scheme is putting guys wide open on a linebacker one-on-one throughout the game, and Goff is hitting throws that are nothing to do with scheme that are just pure quarterback excellence. When both those things at the same time are working, that's what makes this offense one of the best the league has ever seen through four weeks. Right. No, that's a, it's a great point when you start to combine those two. And in past years when passing stats have been really high, I've come on here and said, look, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's not like we're at this quarterback play is not better than ever. Our quarterback grading is actually up this year, so it is this combination of scheme and defenses. You know, really can't do anything. You can't hit anybody, and you get bailed out of third downs all the time. And and quarterbacks are playing better, so that's why you've got these historic offensive numbers right now. Quick break to tell you about our friends over at my bookie. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still sitting on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little bit and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. <laughs> you like to do this, Sam, right? How'd you, how'd you do on parlays this week? Uh, the Colts hose me, uh, so not well. So Okay, well, tell everybody that you've won everything. Okay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you'll turn $100 into 600 So MyBookie has all these different types of options, but it's not just football. You can bet on all major sports. Like MMA this weekend, your boy Conor McGregor, Sam, steps into the octagon Saturday for his first UFC fight in two years. And you can bet on things whether he'll win straight up or whether Khabib will deliver a first-round KO. Mm. What do you think? Uh, There's no earthly way Khabib delivers a first-round KO. I bet you get good odds on it, though. I recommend the guys at MyBookie because I really trust them. This is one bet I know you'll be happy with all season. MyBookie has been in business for years, and they've got great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get into the game. MyBookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you got to join now because they'll be pulling that offer shortly. Log on to MyBookie right now and double your money. Use the promo code PFF and you get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code PFF. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, another new school NFL shootout, Bengals 37 Falcons 36. The Falcons have some serious issues on the back end. All of their uh, all of their injuries essentially just coming back to bite them at this point. Yeah, that defense is kind of in trouble. There's not a whole lot of talent on it anymore because they're all injured. Um, up front, actually, Tack McKinley had a good game. Grady Jarrett is his typical good game. But the back end, there's all their coverage players are hurt. All of their coverage players are hurt. And going up against the Bengals, who have a pretty good passing attack, that's going to be a problem. I mean, you'd like to still see better play from Desmond Trufant, Robert Alford. We, we were high on Isaiah Oliver coming out. When you have those three guys on the field, at least in name and previous production, they're good. But I, again, I think there's still that big drop-off with no Deion Jones and no Keanu Neal, no Ricardo Allen. I mean, you're, just, you're still just losing too many pieces. Two takeaways from this game. One, 
Calvin Ridley can just get open. Oh, so I believe good. we covered that. Um, he's really, really good at route running. Uh, two, Tyler Eifert, dude. Oh, poor we guy. talked about him before, about how his ceiling is healthy-ish, and now he's not healthy-ish. Now he's broken again. Yeah. And the, the sad thing is, this one was like nothing to do with being brittle. It was one of those freak rolled-up, snap-your-leg deals. So it's not like, you know... There are times where he's hit, and you're like, that was completely innocuous, but Tyler Eifert's made out of Chad Pennington's knees, so he just breaks. This one was a guy rolling up on his legs, snapped, he's down. It's just, it's depressing. It, like, I've always thought that if you could like wave a magic wand and just bestow full health going forward on a guy, Tyler Eifert would be one of those guys I would want to do that to because... To be so good. He make, well, A, he's so good, and B, he makes such a difference to that Bengals offense. Like When he's on the field... I don't want to say he's as big of a difference maker as A.J. Green, who's been the talisman for that offense since he came into the league, but he's the next most impactful guy. Like he moved, this, he moved the needle more than anybody else when it comes to finding an alternative weapon to A.J. Green. And every time he's healthy, the Bengals' offense looks fantastic, and then as soon as he goes down, it just goes in the tank again. Yeah, this was, this was the first time. Now, the last full season he had was 2015. That was Andy Dalton's career yeah. year from a grading standpoint and from a statistical standpoint. Dalton is actually playing probably the best football of his career, according to our grades. He had four interceptions against the Panthers two weeks ago. We absolved him of a few of those. It wasn't all on him. So even statistically, he's looking really good. But grading-wise, he's looking even better. So Dalton, then he makes that key throw, tight window throw. That was like the Josh Allen throw in the preseason we were talking about. Cover two hole, and you put it where only your receiver could get it. That was the game winner. Dalton is playing some really good football right now. Yeah, he really is. I, I, I just, I'm so bummed out for Eifert and for the Bengals that he's down again. I hear you. Uh, Bengals move to 3-1, uh, and one, yeah? 3-1? and one? Yeah, they lead the make division. Sure I didn't, make sure I didn't lose anything. Uh, so they're 3-1. and one. Should we get into the uh, Pittsburgh dumpster fire then? The Pittsburgh dumpster fire. They're not looking good at They're all. They're not. Uh, Mike Renner had a great take today. Oh, yeah? About uh, Ryan Shazier. That the Steelers miss Shazier more than they miss Le'Veon Bell. Hmm. Fair? Probably. I mean, certainly the Shazier that got injured, like he was having a career year at the time he went down. He was... He was the guy that he was always supposed to be that year and hadn't been up until that point. So, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we said before that the problem with running back is no matter how good you are, particularly the Steelers have been able to patch that up in the past, and they're still able to patch it up. Um, How and why has Vance McDonald become like the juggernaut from X-Men? I don't know, man. He just looks. He's got, he had the stiff arm from hell against uh, Conti on Monday night. Yeah. Last night, it's like you just, just get the ball in his hands. He just looks like the best tight end in the NFL right now. Just like, on like smashing, two throws. Yeah, smashing defensive backs every time they come near him. He had a 33-yarder against Tavon Young. Um, so I do think – so Pittsburgh, last week I talked about let's not worry about Roethlisberger and all this stuff because I do think he's still – even if he's at, at his highly volatile self, which he is right now, taking a, making a ton of bad throws as far as turnover-worthy throws go, but – he just missed a ton of throws last night, too. Just like a lot of open throws that he missed. And he's playing the worst football of his uh, of since 2006. Yes, yeah, I mean, his just first year, essentially. Looking at our career grades, I mean, he 04 was his rookie season where they really, you know, treated him with kid gloves fine. Yeah. 05, we don't have numbers, full numbers on. 06, we had him as not very good from a grading standpoint, this is by far the worst stretch of play that he's had. And I kept passing it off. Like, oh, you know, he's still Big Ben. He's still making the special plays. He'll, he'll cut down on the mistakes. But, man, 
This is four weeks of not good play when you add it all up. Yeah, and he has done that before, but it, like this is it's not good. Particularly, there's no good reason for it. Like there's weapons there. The offensive line is still good. There's nothing around him that would say, "Yeah, this is a bad situation to be in." If anything, right. this is the best situation he's had. Even ever. without Le'Veon Bell, because he's got yeah. he has mismatched guys everywhere. We just mentioned we have Vance McDonald patrolling Certainly. the middle of the field right now, Certainly making him look good with making him look good on the 75-yard touchdown Monday night. So. Yeah. Um, also, it would be remiss if we didn't um, point out again that Terrell Edmonds, bad. Like, So it's not his fault, right? There's no way, whatever you think about him, whether you think he has the potential to be a to, to justify the first-round pick they spent on a sixth-round talent um, or not, to, if he's going to do that, it's not going to be as a single high free safety going one-on-one against speedy receivers. No. And yet that's where they put him. And that's where he got exposed. Like, come on, help the guy out a bit. Like, don't don't do that to him. If that's what Sean Davis is there for. Now he wouldn't have done it any better than Terrell Edmonds, but at least that's what he's supposed to be. He's the free safety. Terrell Edmonds just got like I mean, he can't turn and run. I mean, come on, let's put Davis in a better position where uh, you know he maybe can play a little bit better than he has the last couple of years. Like Davis isn't good, but at least has the fluidity of movement to be able to actually turn and run with that. Let's credit the Ravens, though, as well. Brandon Carr with a fantastic game. Marlon Humphrey, not a great game, but he's still been a very good player for them. Jimmy Smith's coming back. Did you see the stat that they pulled out on Sunday Night Football that Brandon Carr has the second longest active starting streak of any player in the league? Yeah, that's sneaky. For a guy who has been bad for quite a period of time, that's kind of interesting. Again, has he been bad? Yeah. He's not been bad. He has at times. He's been average. At times, he's been bad. Yeah. A little above average, a little below average over the last few years. And uh, Flacco did not coaster it. He did not. No. He didn't bottom out on the road as we predicted. He was actually excellent. Yeah, Flacco played well. Um, uh, the rest of their play, I mean, look, he is, his struggles the last few years have to be attributed at least a little bit to the playmakers around him. Yeah. And I think I credit the offense for using John Brown pretty well, using all those tight ends. So they're at least putting him in better position to, to succeed. And other than that disaster, I mean, he was terrible when we were there mm. in the press box against Cincinnati. He was terrible that night. But the other three games around that have been really good now. Yeah, he's been playing well. Um, I, he's still, I think, well capable of having the complete roller coaster. Um, but yeah, you, uh, there's definitely a, an extent to which the last three years were a product of the environment around him. And, you know, as much as... There are quarterbacks that are pathologically conservative, like, like Alex Smith. It's very difficult to measure the impact of the trust in a guy who you know will be open deep, right? Yep. Even if you don't, even if you're not expecting the quarterback, because in theory, all these deep passes essentially should be in the air before you see if he's going to be open, right? To an extent, right? right. There's yep. certain situations where that's not true, but if you're one on one on the outside, you're putting the ball in the air at the point where he's kind of level with the receiver, if not before with the assumption that he will be running past him and gain position by the time they catch up to the ball. So when you have Tyreek Hill, you can just look over and go, well, that's happening. Put it in the air. When you've got, I don't know, any of the insert random Ravens terrible receiver over the past few years, you've got zero confidence that's going to happen, right? It's like it's I, a huge fact. This is one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, but I have no confidence in this guy winning that one-on-one -on -one battle. So why would I put the ball in the air? I, I do firmly believe Flacco Flacco's not elite. He's not one of those top five or top ten quarterbacks in the NFL. He's in that mix of if you're going to get the best out of him, it has to be all supporting cast driven. Yeah. So which the fact is like that it's better this year. Which is like the middle twenty quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. 
Did um, sorry, I'm just checking if Derwin James picked up a sack. He did. He got the sack. Yeah, he like ended the game. He was the yes. guy that hit Bethard. That I was just confirming the turnover. Just making sure. So, um, timeout for a sack watch here. Derwin James, <laughs> the best pass rusher in the 2018 NFL Draft. He has three sacks. Bradley Chubb still has two. Bradley Chubb hasn't played yet this, this week. I know that, that's, yeah. but that's okay. Derwin James is currently leading. Three to two over Bradley Chubb because he's probably a better pass rusher. He's a better pass rusher than Marcus Davenport, even better than Gennard Avery, even better than our boy Harold Landry. He was unblocked on that play, which doesn't matter. Help. He's the best. He's the sack leader. I'm just saying, if you move him to defensive end, the chance of him being unblocked or you think they diminish. might they might put more tackles yeah. on him to block him. Yeah, Derwin James, watch. He's got three sacks now. Best player in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. All right, rapid fire around the rest of the league. Josh Josh Allen was terrible. Yep. Uh, sneaky in this game. The Bills' defense has been playing pretty well. They had they gave Aaron Rodgers they had Rodgers had one of his worst games over the last few years. He was bad overall from a grading standpoint in in his world. And this goes overblown because the Bills can't even come close to putting a point on the board. Yeah, I mean they're or it gets overshadowed. Sucked. Jerry Hughes did, by the way, get shut down by Bakhtiari as, as I suspected, you said, as you said on Friday. Titans Eagles. We were not expecting the Titans here again. The Titans feel like this team where the defense is good enough to just keep them in it and they've got good players on the back end and they're just gonna they're just gonna make every game difficult and before you know it they're three and one yeah um that like this this was i it, this was a game i think the eagles kind of shot themselves in the foot a bit like nelson Aguilar dropped three passes that was a problem yeah um some key situations the eagles why are they still starting jalen mills yeah he had a rough game and he consistently has a rough game, right? He's had a rough career. Yes. He's had a rough career. He's giving up a lot of touchdowns and yards. Generally speaking, for a cornerback, that's not a positive thing, which I would understand if you had no other alternatives on the roster. But the Eagles, they're kind of stacked at cornerback. Like, why not give Razul Douglas a shot over Jalen Mills? He's played. Yeah. It's not like he's had no experience before. I would be willing to, at this point, roll the dice and say that Razul Douglas probably couldn't be worse than Jalen Mills at this point, given what we've seen from him. Let's let's give that a shot. I think it's worth giving him a shot. Yeah. Cowboys Lions. Cowboys save their season. Kind of. Two and two now. Sure. And I mean, a little bit better offensively. Yeah. Much better offensively. I mean, as far as Dak and using Zeke. Dak said that they were going to try some new things and they got a little bit more creative and uh, Zeke had one of his best games from a pure yardage and production standpoint when you include rushing and receiving. Yeah, I mean this game kind of felt a lot like two average teams battling it out like it's almost it's not going to define anything right lions coming off their super bowl on sunday night both these teams are like six to eight wins that are not going to be in contention for anything yeah it's funny because as i put my mock draft out last week you guys should go check it out had justin herbert going number one i had many dallas fans all last week every time i mentioned justin herbert say future cowboy i haven't even because Dak's in year three right now he's in year three yeah and we've sat here and questioned how good he is but I'm also not ready to be like, that's it. We're moving on. Get to the next guy. Are you ready for that? Like, are you ready for that yet? And this is the, the same. Okay, the same discussion we had for Flacco. When you're trotting out Deontay Thompson, we do this every week. Deontay Thompson and Alan Hearns, Rico Gathers can't even get on the field because he can't do other things. Cole Beasley, Tavon Austin. I mean, well, how much is, can you expect? Because the thing that works for the Cowboys in terms of building a team around him, the rookie contract, right? They're basically paying him nothing. It's it's like a it's a free window essentially. It also works against him if he starts to struggle because there's nothing tying you to him. So 
and there's no investment in any quarterback. So in, se- in theory, you could like roll the dice on a on a drafted quarterback, still keep Dak around because he's getting paid nothing, and give him some competition, have a backup plan. Like it's not. I'm not ready to say that Dak has no future and they can def- they should definitely move on. I don't but I don't hate that idea though. You could roll the dice with a quarterback in the first round if one ends up falling into your oh, yeah. lap and not be in a bad position because now you have Dak as your starter, you have a pretty viable backup plan. Best case scenario, Dak rediscovers rookie year form. This guy looks good, and you flip him for a first-round pick next year. Kind of like the idea, so we'll see. If they're picking top 10, maybe they make a power move for Justin Herbert. Uh, how about that Browns-Raiders game, 45-42? Ah, what the hell happened in this game? You're the, just disgusted. The Browns had this one easily earlier in the game, and somehow it became close, and then it became like a disaster late with the officials getting involved and screwing the whole thing up. Um, this was ah, it was depressing. I'd have no earthly idea how the officials overturned that call. Weird game. Uh, so Baker Mayfield had a lot of good to his game. A couple turnovers. I, I don't think the interception was really on him. He was trying to throw Definitely it up and away from coverage. Uh, fumbles weren't great. Still, you know, he missed a few throws. But overall, a pretty solid game for Baker. I mean, the team put up 42 points. And then Derek Carr, who looked terrible at times, just chucking up bad interceptions, still ends up making a ton of big throws in the clutch. I mean, this has been the story of Carr's season. Right when you're ready to write him off with terrible, terrible plays, he comes back and makes some key plays down the stretch. To open the game, Baker Mayfield was 0-3 with an interception, and they were all drops. Yep. Like, he actually put three passes on the hands of his, on the hands of his receivers and ended up with a pick six and then two more incompletions. That's kind of the story of his game. He still didn't put it up as clean of a game as he did against the Jets because no. of the uh, the turnovers. Um so Browns fans, I'd still be encouraged overall. Even though you're still in this, like, they find sh- ways yeah. to lose They should have won this game, but being in a position where you should have won the game in that kind of... S- I think the real point is that they have a quarterback. There's no yeah, yeah, doubt there's, about there's that. There's no doubt about that. That guy can add value and move your team down the field. The defense that was looking good uh, really crumbled down the stretch, though, as well. Yeah. Um, a nugget from the Seahawks game. Russell Wilson under pressure, the second lowest percentage, or the lowest percentage since 2015, week 14, I believe it was. The thing for this game for me is that Josh Rosen looked really good. Yes. Um, He was under pressure about as much as I thought, which is 47%, which is right up there in that range of forget about it, and he still played really well. So I think that's huge. If you're a Cardinals fan and you're listening to this for a little bit of Josh Rosen analysis, I'm going to push you to the YouTube channel because you did a good little premium stats breakdown. I want to do a video breakdown as well. Because his grade was far better than the final yeah. box score line. Another and I think guy, Cardinals fans know that. Another guy who's dropped was a big part of it. So he ended up with a passer rating of only 88.5. He was 15 for 27. But uh, well, how many was it? Five total drops? Either way, they were all on good throws, too. Yeah. And uh, he played much better than these stats would show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaguars, Jets. Sam Darnold's still looking like a rookie for the Jets. Blake I mean, Bortles, yeah. very efficient game once again this was always going to be a rough day for Sam Darnold given the Jags defense yeah so I don't think that's tremendously surprising this game was probably the most as you expected it to go in this week the Bortles coaster continues yeah but against the Jets I mean you know yeah against the Jets so we got nothing else on that game no Jets defense our Jaguars defense continues to be good oh man Jaguars and Chiefs next week Mm -hmm. that's about as good as it gets as far as matchups go, because there's two good defenses in the entire NFL right now. And then uh, only other game we didn't touch on. We already t- George Kittle. You're going to do a whole breakdown on George Kittle for 49ers fans. Mm-hmm. Okay, on YouTube. George Kittle's good. He's really good. 
CJ Beathard played a pretty solid game. I, Chargers are just a better team. It, yes, they are. So if it wasn't for the fact that the 49ers season is already capped by the fact that they're not actually that good, their season I don't think would be over because they've had to go to CJ Beathard. Like, he isn't terrible. He yeah. played okay as a rookie given his status, and I think he's going to play all right now. And the one game we haven't touched on, the Saints, uh, kind of a last year type of Saints game. Uh, they couldn't score in the red zone, but they did down the stretch. Alvin Kamara was just incredible. Yeah. He's really I mean, good. his combination of slipperiness and just body control, like that touchdown that he had, they showed it on the they showed the replay over and over just for his ability to just hover long enough for the touch. I mean, every little thing that he adds is is really incredible. And this was one of those games where Breeze in the pass game wasn't as efficient as they've been, but they still found a way to win with the defense and Kamara on the ground. Yeah, he was really, really good. He's just one of those players that moves in a different way to everybody else. By uh, the way, I, a couple Barkley plays, I that that thought came to mind. He does move differently. Yeah. Um, he's not as good as Kamara right now, and I'm sure Barkley's going to be an efficient player and all that stuff. It's just... He can't make a difference on that team at this point. No, not at all. Um, Will Hernandez has been playing really well recently. He has. He's been the better of the guards, not the future Hall of Famer. A lot uh, of people are mad at Quentin us Nelson. because Quentin Nelson's grade hasn't been great yet. But yeah, I trust our O-line grades. He got his ass kicked by Jadavian Clowney on one play. Like, ugly. Yeah, he did. All right, man, we hit everything. We hit everything around the league. Any other uh, big takeaways or anything? Uh, no. No. Okay, no. great. No. Way, to, way to add some value Thank you. at the end there. Yeah. Good wrap up. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody who has tuned in and listened. We're breaking all sorts of records over here, Sam. And we just appreciate all of the listeners that have been joining in the PFF party here. Uh, we'll be back again later in the week, previewing week five. Five? All right. All right, we'll be previewing week five later in the week. And, of course, if you guys want all the stats and numbers and analysis that we've been bringing to the table it's all part of your pff elite package premium stats 2.0 and green line that's all you guys need for football season all right guys we'll chat again later in the week quick break to tell you guys about nfl game pass the only way that you can replay every game all season long you can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray. In his NFL debut, that's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.